So, as I said, I'm Russell. I'm very thankful for the opportunity to be here with you guys today. Um, this is my second time preaching here at Stonebridge. The first Sunday that I preached, it was a Sunday right before a week-long break, and I got to pick which Sunday I wanted to do. I picked that one because I knew that there'd be a bunch of you guys missing, um, and it'd be a good warm-up round. Um, I, don't, I don't really, I don't preach very often, and so I'm very grateful um, for the opportunity to get up here and share with you guys. So, so again, last time, whenever I spoke, David let me just speak on whatever it is that I wanted to. And so I kind of ended up leaning into sort of like the sermon of my heart, you know, what I felt like was closest to me and my passions and desires that God's put on my heart. Um, and then this time, David told me what I was going to be speaking on. Um, and it is a much different process. Um, so he told me about a month ago, he said, Russell, um, you know, we've been going through at the Advent series, talking about the arrival of Jesus, and he said, Russell, you're going to preach on joy, um, and that the arrival of Jesus brings joy, and so if you guys know me at all, uh, which I know a lot of you guys don't know me, um, but I'm not really sure if I'm the right person for this job to preach on this topic, um, so I've been called a lot of things in my life, but I don't think I've ever been called joyful. Um, <laughs> That's a, David thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> it's all right, whatever. Um, so yeah, so my wife is the joyful one. Everybody's like, oh yeah, Megan, she's so joyful. Russell, he's, you know, he's serious. He's a serious guy. Um, and um, none of that is changing today necessarily. I, I am still uh, very serious. God's been teaching me a lot about joy this past month, but uh, just a, a sneak peek so you guys can kind of prepare your hearts a little bit. I want you to know that uh, I am being very serious about joy today. Um, <laughs> yeah, people laughed last time too. It's, I'm being serious. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, so, so you guys can kind of understand me a little bit better. Uh, I imagine a lot of you guys are familiar with Johnny Cash. I hope so. Um, he wrote a song called The Man in Black. It's a good song. So I'm paraphrasing, but in the song he says, I wear black for the poor, beat down, hopeless, and hungry. I wear black for those that have never heard the words of Jesus. Um, and so this song is not the reason that I wear black, but those of you that have seen me around or know me know that I wear black a lot. Um, I, I do this because I like it, and it's pretty practical. Um, but whenever I heard this song, it kind of added this new meaning to me, this new layer of why I wear black was is because it, it really, the song was a reflection of my own heart. It has always been very easy for me to mourn with others. I kind of have this natural disposition to look out at the brokenness of the world and to see um, its need, right? And it just leads me into a, a deeper sense of grieving almost for those. And I know that some of you guys in the room might have a heart similar to mine. But in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So, you know, we might be good at weeping with others, some of us, but, but we are supposed to rejoice with others also. 
We see throughout all of Scripture, time and time again, that God tells us that the joy is both a promise and a command. He promises us this gift of joy, and he also tells us to be joyful. And I'm really coming before you guys um, humbly today because I must confess that that this is a command that I have not always obeyed, and I'm still trying to figure this one out. So over this month of preparation, I really, I, I really came before God at the beginning of this and thought, Lord, I don't know how in the world I'm supposed to teach anybody about joy. This is an area that I know very little, and I'm going to need you to teach me. And so... I feel like the Lord over the past several weeks has been giving me a crash course on joy. And I'll tell you what, it is good, man. It's some really good news. And it's, gonna, it's changing me. So if none of you get anything out of this message today, I hope you do. But if you don't, I know that this was not a waste of time because of the ministry that God has done in my own heart. Um. But I do hope that you too can find the joy um, that I feel like I'm finding. So the first question I want to kind of tackle today is, uh, it was actually addressed in the Advent reading thing, but uh, what is joy and how is it different than happiness? Um, I grew up going to church and I heard people say this all the time, yeah, joy and happiness, they're different things. But I must have fallen asleep in the service because I don't remember anybody telling me how they were different. Um, For culture, though, culture is a little different, right? I remember looking at culture. What does culture say that joy and happiness is and how they are different? We see everywhere, man, there is joy paraphernalia everywhere this time of year. I think that there's like six joy signs out in the lobby right now, and I mean, and it's like Christians and non-Christians alike. And, and so I was listening to podcasts and I was reading articles from sort of the secular perspective to just sort of say, see what does the world say that joy is and how do they distinguish its difference from happiness? And I really found that there was none, that they m- maybe at best would consider joy to be a deeper happiness. And so I opened up God's word, and and I began to read to see what does God say that joy is, and and how is it different? Uh, I use this really great website called the uh, Blue Letter Bible, and I would encourage anybody in here that's ever studying a topic on Scripture to to go in there. It's an awesome resource. And so I typed in joy, and it brings up every verse that joy is in. And so it's, it's just joy, not joyful, not rejoice, but just joy comes up uh, 179 times in the Bible. And so it's pretty clear that this topic is like threaded throughout this. It is all throughout God's word that he longs for us and commands for us to have joy. So I got about halfway through reading these scriptures, and I felt like I started to kind of get a grip on what God's word was. And and, and this is is how I feel like God's word says that joy and happiness are different, okay? That they are similar in nature, but they are different in source. 
And what I mean by that is that they might look the same in the way that we behave, and they might sound the same in the way that we describe it, and it might even feel the same deep down in us, that emotion that we feel. But what makes them distinctly different is its source. These sources are vastly different because happiness's source is positive external circumstances. Um, I think the easiest example for us to kind of grab a hold of is a house. Um, I imagine most of you guys got houses. Man, you guys, I'm not that funny. Um, I should just make fun of myself all the time. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, so houses, right? So many of you, I imagine when you bought your first house that you were happy. I wouldn't know, never bought a house. But whenever you bought your house, you were probably happy. And it's not because houses make you happy, but that there is this comfort and security that a home provides, that, that those emotions is what brought about the follow-up emotion of happiness. The thing about joy, though, is that joy doesn't come from those things. Joy comes from knowing God and being in relationship with him. To parallel the, the home example, we see in Deuteronomy 33, verse 27, it says, The eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. So you see that unlike happiness, that when joy is found in knowing God and knowing who he is, finding our comfort and security in him, that is what produces joy. And it is steadfast. You see, this is really good news for us because um, if your house burns down and everything in your house goes with it, I want you to know that your happiness is going to burn up with it. But the good news about joy is that there is no fire that can take away our joy because it is found in God. So what is our problem? Many of us um, in this room might feel like we're lacking joy. Sorry, I'm just kind of thinking for a second. I think that some of you guys feel like you're lacking joy, and you're not really sure why. Um, if, if joy is steadfast, that if, if it is consistent, if it doesn't come and go with the wind like happiness does, then, then where is my joy? I have been at that place in my own life where I've stood before the Lord and said, Lord, where is my joy? Before we answer this question, I want us to look at the Christmas story found in Luke chapter 2, or at least a portion of the Christmas story. Um, I would encourage you guys, if you have a Bible, to, to open it up. It will be up on the screens, but I, I love this book, and I think that there's something to, um, and I'm going to be starting in verse 8. I'll give you one moment to find your spot if you are. It says, starting in verse 8, And there were shepherds 
living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and laying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has said, sorry, the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who is laying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So the first thing I want to focus on this morning is the, uh, the message that the angels brought these people about these shepherds, right? So the angel shows up and he says, hey guys, I bring you good news of great joy. A savior, a rescuer has come. He's been born unto you. And his name is Christ the Lord. And so you and I, we know this story. We've heard this news that, that Jesus, the son of God has come. And he has snatched us from the grip of sin and death so that we can be in relationship with God the Father. This is really good news. And the angels tell us that this good news is, is going to bring about great joy in us. But, but I just told you guys this good news. And many of us, don't feel this good news provoking joy. Why is it that, that I don't always feel joy when I hear this news, that you don't always feel joy when you hear this news? And, and this is what I think our problem is. is I, I'm, I'm really sad to say that I think... that it's because the good news of the gospel has become old news to us. Many of us have grown up in these Christian homes and we've gone to church Sunday after Sunday and Christmas after Christmas and we hear the message about Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. We see what he's accomplished and that he's forgiven us of our sins. And we hear this life-changing news, but instead of it provoking joy, we just brush it off like it's nothing. Because, because it has become nothing more than a story that we've heard over and over again. I don't think that we are alone in this. Um, 
We're not the only people that struggle with this. I think that anybody that's been walking with Jesus for a long time is going gonna, is gonna to hit a season like this. I, I, I know that I am guilty of this. So whenever I'm bringing up this, this stuff, I want you guys to know that I'm, I'm coming before you as an equal, not as a person on a pedestal saying, um, you guys have really missed the mark. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, I've missed the mark, guys. Part of my job, I mean, I'm a janitor part-time, but the other part of my job is to share the gospel with other people. And I'm, sometimes I find myself sharing the gospel that, that for myself, whenever I read in this book, that, that it's not provoking joy in me because it's become so common. But I don't want to stay here. I don't want this to be the posture of my heart or your heart. And so I want to look at a story that we read as a church recently in Revelation chapter 3. I know that this is an odd passage for us to be in during the Christmas season, um, but I do think it mirrors very much the problem that you and I are having. Um, starting in verse 15, Jesus says, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. So when David... Uh, was teaching through this message a few weeks ago. He talked about what the lukewarmness was. He kind of helped us to understand what that was. And, and he says that it wasn't about this spiritual fervor, but what it was was, was usefulness to God. is about fruitfulness. Is our life fruitful? In any of us in this room that has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, right? We received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit that lives in us produces fruit, it generates fruit when, when we cultivate it and work alongside of Him and we abide in the Lord. And in Galatians chapter 5, we see that the fruit that comes from the Spirit is this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. I do not believe that everyone in this room uh, is lacking all of these fruits. I don't think that we've become lukewarm in every area of our life, but what I do believe is that there are people like, like me, I think that some of you guys can look at some areas of your life and go, man, I am rich in this fruit. My life is abundant in this fruit of self-control, maybe. Um, or you're looking at joy and you're saying, I, I don't know if I have that fruit at all. Or if I do, maybe it's, it's very little. Sometimes it's hard to find. 
And I think that this is a very big problem because we are like these people and the reason that we have lost sight of our joy, the reason that we can't seem to find it is because we have exchanged it for happiness. We have exchanged this this steadfast, this sturdy rock of joy for a happiness that can come and go with the wind. And the reason I think that we've done this is because I believe that joy comes from relationship with God. And relationships are really hard. But the thing about happiness is the world offers us a million happy things a day. And these things oftentimes gratify our desires instantly. It is much easier for us to be happy than it is for us to have joy. So I kind of have an illustration that I think will help us understand what I feel like we've done. Um, I don't know about all of you guys, but in my house and in the house that I grew up in, uh, we have a junk drawer. I imagine you guys have a junk drawer, maybe. Um, So in the junk drawer of my house, uh, we've got um, scotch tape and... um, old batteries that don't work. And, and in this drawer, we also have like a, a flashlight or a candle or something that generates light. I think you guys have this. I see like several people nodding. They're like, this is the first time I'm tracking with this guy. His uh, <laughs> junk drawers, yeah. Got to go home, clean that out. Um, so... We have these junk drawers with flashlights, and the reason we have this flashlight in this junk drawer is because one day we know that a storm is going to come through, it's going to take our power out, and we're going to need to go to that drawer, pull out the light so that we can illuminate our homes and still accomplish whatever it is that we need to accomplish. So what we've done like this is we've received this good news of great joy, we've received the forgiveness of Jesus. And then we, we took it and then we stored it away in the junk drawers of our hearts only to pull out when a storm comes through. And I believe that accidentally, I think that accidentally we have become lukewarm sitting in our homes with the power still on, unaware that until this moment, We lost sight of our joy because we thought that we have no current need for it. But to say that we don't need this joy is to say that this comfort and security that we find in our homes, in this love that we find in our family and our friends, is to say that that is enough for us. I don't need this relationship with God that brings about joy because I am perfectly content and satisfied with these things. And if any of you at all feel any degree of conviction in your hearts, um, uh, then do not grieve for long, but 
I do pray that your grieving would turn to joy because in Revelation chapter 3, we see that uh, these people that have the same problem that we do, that Jesus ends the passage by saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone that would hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and eat with him. Guys, this is good news because for us, if our hearts have become lukewarm and hard, and if we believe that we did not need God or at least relationship with him, and if we feel like the good news of the gospel has become old news to us that despite the posture of our hearts, that God continues to knock on the door begging to be in relationship with you. He longs to be in relationship with you. And he is faithful in his pursuit of you. This gift of joy that we see in Revelation is the same gift of joy that we see in Luke chapter 2 in the Christmas story is that the world at this time when Jesus comes onto the scene, this world was drowning in sin and God's chosen people were unfaithful time and time again in this covenant relationship that they had had with God. They were in this marriage, and they were an unfaithful bride over and over and over again. But despite their unfaithfulness, God was faithful, and he loved them so much that he sent his son Jesus to make a way for them. In Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, it says, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depths nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the gift of joy, okay? This is good news, right? This is the gift of joy, is that there is absolutely nothing. There is no sin that we can commit. There is no level of unfaithfulness that will ever separate us from God's faithful love and pursuit of us. Earlier, I talked about joy being both a promise from God and a command from God. And so we see in this that God's promise of joy has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled. Joy, we don't feel that gift of joy stirring anything up in us. So how is it that we're supposed to obey this command to be joyful? Um, To answer that question, I would say, let's do what the shepherds do. 
How do we begin to, to fight for this joy so that we can obtain it, so that we can obey God's command to be joyful? And so, so what I want us to do is to do what the shepherds do in Luke chapter 2. And the first thing, right, we see that the angels come to them. They say, we bring you good news of great joy. A Savior has come. And the, they don't just turn to each other and say, man, this is such good news. I'm so thankful that God has come to be with us. And then just go right back about their business, tending to their sheep. They didn't do that. What they did is they said to one another, they said, let's go and see this thing that the Lord has told us about. Let's go and be with Jesus. Sorry. Um, so... Many of us, we've heard in church time and time again this really great advice, and it's still good today as much as it was when we were 12 years old sitting in church for the first time. How do we go and be with Jesus, right? We do that by engaging him in worship, by opening up this word and spending time with him, and by speaking to him in prayer. And what I want to focus on is prayer I want to encourage you guys to, to pray honestly. I know many of you, and I know that many of you are really strong prayer warriors, and, and I love you. And, and I'm, I hope that maybe some of you guys are, are still trying to engage the Lord in this way. And so I'd encourage you to, to engage God honestly. This is something that was new for me. There was a shift in my life and in my relationship with God when my prayer life changed. Um, sorry, I'm trying to stay on time. Um, so I really got stuck in these please and thank you prayers. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with, with that. You know, it's like I've always been a journaler. So there was kind of this time earlier in my life. If you open up my journal, it just says, please, God, do this. Thank you, God, for this. Please, thank you, please, thank you. But then whenever I was 18, I kind of went through a season of depression. And, and after being in this season of depression for a while, something flipped in me. And, and my journal life and my prayer life began to change in the way that I communicated with God. I became more honest with him. I would confess my sin and ask for forgiveness, and, and I would communicate with him about the things in my life that were hard, the things about him that I just couldn't reconcile. Say, God, I believe that you are good, but I feel none of your goodness, and I need your help. And what this did was it kind of opened up my heart to God. I didn't tell him anything he didn't already know, but but it opened up my heart and it allowed him to enter in and heal me and comfort me and really cultivated a relationship that I had never had before. I mean, can you imagine if your relationships consisted of honey-do lists and thank you cards? We need to be engaging God honestly and having real intimate conversations um, we see that David does this really well in Psalms chapter 55. I'm going to read this for you, and then I'm going to move on. Um, he says, Let me hear the joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. 
Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Renew to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. The next thing we see the shepherds do is that um, after they go and they be with Jesus, they go out and they share this good news with others. And it says that everyone was amazed. So I think that, that what we need to do is pull this joy out of the drunk drawers of our hearts, and we need to go and share that good news with others. And, and some of you guys might be thinking, how is that possibly going to generate joy? That sounds like the worst thing on the planet, extremely uncomfortable. But I promise that it will bring joy because we see in John 15 that Jesus tells us that it's going to give us joy. In John 15, 10 through 12, he says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to obey my commands. And if you obey my commands, then I'm going to give you my joy. And your joy is going to be complete. And so if you want this joy, then this is what you need to do. This is the command you need to obey. Love one another as I have loved you. Saying this, Jesus laid down his life for us. He loved us so much that he laid down everything. And I'm telling you guys today that there is nothing more loving that you can do for another person than to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ that brings them into relationship with the living God. Um... So just to conclude our time, I wanted to encourage us. I don't know if you guys feel encouraged. Um, so our problem is not our desire to be happy. It's okay to be happy, guys. It really, really is okay to be happy. Um, I think that what I, what I want to emphasize is that our problem is not being happy. Our problem is being enough for us. We have to hunger and thirst for this relationship with God that brings about joy. So I'm going to share with you a great quote by C.S. Lewis. He obviously speaks much better than I do. Um, and then I'm going to close our time in prayer. C.S. Lewis says, If we consider the unblushing promises of rewards and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desire not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, um, I ask that we would not be so easily pleased. I pray that we would not be satisfied with these good things that you have blessed us with. Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts and for those that feel like they're lacking joy, they feel like they're doing everything that they're supposed to be doing and yet they're still missing it, Lord, I pray that you would um, just give them endurance in their prayer and in their time and then connecting with you, God. I pray that they would experience your presence in a way that just restores in them peace and hope and joy. Lord, I ask for us what David says in Psalms 51. Restore to us the joy of your salvation. And Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for loving us so much that even when we fall very short in our end of this relationship, that you are always faithful. Uh, Father, I do ask that you would um, give each of us boldness, Lord, that... um, in this ministry time that we're about to step into. Lord, if there's anyone in this room that feels like they're lacking joy, that they would be willing to come forward um, and just receive prayer. Lord, we thank you that joy doesn't have to be connected to positive external circumstances, that all of our life can be on fire and falling apart, and yet there is something so sweet that you have given us, Lord, that we can have joy even in the midst of the chaos, because you are our rock. Lord, even those that maybe aren't wrestling with this, maybe sin that I've been talking about this morning, Lord, that um, those that are just wrestling through different things, you know, maybe they're lacking joy for other reasons, Lord, that they too would, would be willing to come forward and receive prayer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.